Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Sleep Tight Relax is supported by the generosity of our premium subscribers. If you would like to get some of the perks, like shoutouts, stickers, and other surprises in the mail, go to sleeptightrelax.com premium, or follow the link in our show notes. Thank you. Our sleep story is chapter four of the Boxcar Children. Henry, Jess, Violet, and Benny are in the boxcar and have decided to try and make it a home for them for a while. They talk about what their plans are and then head off to bed for the first night's sleep in a while. When Henry goes to town to look for work, Jess, Violet, and Benny look for things that can make the boxcar more homey and comfortable. But before we continue with our story, let's start by breathing together. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, Let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. We are going to do a series of deep, slow breaths. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, Try to push all the air out of your lungs. We often talk about taking belly breaths or filling your belly up like a balloon. If that helps you, visualize the kind of breath to take, then please try. You can use whatever works for you. Now, inhale slowly through your nose and count to four in your head, filling your lungs with more air with each number. Hold your breath and count to four in your head. Slowly exhale through your mouth, focusing on getting all the air out of your lungs. Take your time and focus on slow, controlled, deep breaths. Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Breathe in, Two, three, four. 
hold. Two, three, four. Breathe out. Two, three, four. Perfect. You can continue to practice your deep breathing as we continue with the Boxcar Children, Chapter 4. It was certainly a strange meal, whatever it was. Jess, who liked above all things to be orderly, spread out the big gray laundry bag on the pine needles for a tablecloth. The brown loaf was cut by a very excited little hostess into five thick squares, the cheese into four. Dogs don't eat cheese, Benny remarked cheerfully. The poor little fellow was glad of it too, for he was very hungry. He could hardly wait for Jess to set the milk bottles in the center of the table and heap the blueberries in four little mounds, one at each place. I'm sorry we don't have any cups, Jess remarked. We'll just have to drink out of the same bottle. No, we won't, said Henry. We'll drink half of each bottle, so that will make at least two things to drink out of. Good for you, Henry, said Jess, much relieved. You and Benny use one, and Violet and I will use the other. So the meal began. Look, Benny, directed Henry, eat a handful of blueberries, then take a bite of brown bread, then a nibble of cheese, now a drink of milk. It's good, it's good, mumbled Benny to himself all through the meal. You must not imagine that the poor wandering dog was neglected, for Jess fed him gently as he lay in her lap, poking morsels of bread into his mouth and pouring milk into her own hand for him to lap up. When the meal was over and exactly half of each bottle of milk remained, Jess said, we are going to sleep on beds tonight and just as soon as we get our beds made, we are all going to be washed. That'll be fun, Benny, added Violet. We'll wash our paws in the brook just the way Cinnamon does. First, let's gather armfuls of dry pine needles, ordered Jess. Get those on top that have been lying in the sunshine. Jess laid the dog down on a bed of moss as she spoke and started energetically to scoop up piles of the fragrant needles. Soon, a pile as high as her head stood just under the freight car door. I think we have enough, she said at last. Taking the scissors from Violet's work bag, she cut the laundry bag carefully into two pieces, saving the cord for a clothesline. One of the big squares was laid across Benny's hay 
and tucked under. That was the softest bed of all. Violet's apron and her own, she cut off at the belt. I'll sleep next to Benny, said Henry, with my head up by the door. Then I can hear what is going on. A big pile of pine needles was loaded into the freight car for Henry's bed and covered with the other half of the laundry bag. The remainder of the needles Jess piled into the farthest corner of the car for herself and Violet. We'll all sleep on one side so we can call it the bedroom. What'll be on the other side? inquired Benny. The other side, repeated Jess. Hmm, let me think. I guess that'll be the sitting room, and perhaps some of the time the kitchen. On rainy days, maybe the dining room, added Henry with a wink. Couldn't it be the parlor, begged Benny. Certainly, the parlor. We forgot that, agreed Jess, returning the wink. She was covering the last two soft beds with the two aprons. The tops of these aprons are washcloth, she said severely. Then armed with the big cake of soap, she led the way to the brook. The dog watched them anxiously, but when Jess said lie still, he obeyed. From the moment Jess drew that thorn from his foot, he was her dog to obey her slightest command and to follow her wherever she went. The clean, cool brook was delightful, even to Benny. The children rolled up their sleeves and plunged their dusty arms into the waters, quarreling good-naturedly over the soap and lathering their stained faces and necks with it. When they were well rinsed with clear water, they dried themselves with the towel. Then Jess washed both towels nicely with soap, rinsed them, and hung them on the clothesline of tape, which she had stretched between two slender birch trees. They flapped lazily in the wind. Looks like home already, Jess, said Henry, smiling at the washing. The tired children clambered into the bedroom, Jess coming last with the wounded dog. We'll have to leave the door open. It's so hot, said Henry, lying down with a tired sigh. And in less than 10 minutes, they were fast asleep. Dog and all. Asleep, six o'clock. Asleep without naming the dog without locking the door, without fear. For this was the first night in four that they had been able to go to sleep at night, as children should. The next morning, Jess was up before the others, as was fitting for a little housekeeper. That is, she was first if we accept the dog who had opened one eye instantly every time his little master stirred in her sleep. 
He sat watching gravely in the door of the car as Jess descended to get breakfast. She walked from the little waterfall quite a distance down the brook, looking at it with critical eyes. This will be the well, she said to herself, regarding a small but deep and quiet basin just below the falls. Below that, she found a larger basin, lined with gravel, with flat stones surrounding it. This will be the wash tub, she decided. And now, I must go back to the refrigerator. This was the strangest spot of all. For behind the little waterfall was a small, quiet pool in which Jess had set the milk bottles the night before. Not a drop of water could get in, but all night long, the cool running water had surrounded the bottles. They were now fairly icy to the touch. Jess smiled as she drew them out. Is it good? asked Benny's voice. There he sat in the door of the car, swinging his legs, his arm around the shaggy dog. It's delicious, declared Jess, cold as ice. She climbed up beside him as she spoke, bringing the breakfast with her. The two other children sat up and looked at it. Today, Jess, began Henry, I will go back to town and try to get a job mowing lawns or something. Then we can afford to have something besides milk for breakfast. Milk suited Benny very well, however, so the older children allowed him to drink more than his share. Henry did not waste any time talking. He brushed his hair as well as he could without a brush, rolled down his sleeves, and started for town with the second dollar. Glad you've got a dog, Jess, he called back as he waved his straw hat. The children watched him disappear around the curve and then turned to Jess expectedly. They were not mistaken. Jess had a plan. We will explore, she began mysteriously. We'll begin here at the car and hunt all over these woods until we find a dump. What's a dump? inquired Benny. Oh, Benny, answered Violet. You know what a dump is. All old bottles and papers and broken dishes. And wheels? asked Benny interestedly. Will there be any old wheels? Yes, maybe, assented Violet. But cups, Benny, think of drinking milk out of a cup again. Oh, yes, said Benny politely. But it was clear that his mind was centered on wheels rather than cups. The exploring party started slowly down the rusty track with the dog hopping happily on three legs. The fourth paw nicely bandaged with Jess's handkerchief. He held up out of harm's way. I think this is a spur track, said Jess. They built it here so they could load wood on the cars. 
And then when they had cut all the wood, they didn't need the track anymore. This explanation seemed very likely, for here and there were stumps of trees and decaying chips. Violet took note of these chips and remembered them some days later. In fact, both girls kept their eyes open and pointed out things of interest to each other. Remember those logs, Violet, if we should ever need any, said Jess, pointing. Blackberry blossoms, returned Violet briefly, turning one over gently with her foot. Big, flat stones, remarked Jess later on, as they came upon a giant heap of them. Here the track came out into the open sunshine and broken pieces of rail showed clearly where it had joined the main track at some point in the past. And here, from the top of the wooded hill, the children could plainly see the city in the valley. They walked along the track, picking out a church steeple here and there, forgetting for a moment the object of their search. There's a wheel, Benny cried triumphantly from behind. The girls looked down, and with a glad cry of surprise, Jess recognized a dump at the foot of the hill. They found it not composed entirely of ashes and tin cans either, although both of these were there in great profusion. It was a royal dump, containing both cups and wheels. Oh, Benny, cried Jess, if it hadn't been for you. She hugged him, wheel and all, and began turning over the trash with great delight. Here's a white pitcher, Jess, Violet called, holding up a perfect specimen with a tiny chip in its nose. Here's a big white cup, said Jess delightedly, laying it aside. Want a teapot, Jessie? inquired Benny, offering her an enormous blue enameled affair without a handle. Yes, indeed, cried Jess. We can use that for water. I found two cups and a bowl already. And Violet, we ought to be looking for spoons, too. Violet pointed without speaking to her little pile of treasures. There were five iron spoons covered with rust. Wonderful, pronounced Jess with rapture. Indeed, it is doubtful if collectors of rare and beautiful bits of porcelain ever enjoyed a search as much as did these adventurers in the dump heap. Benny actually found four wheels, exactly alike, probably from the same cart, and insisted upon carrying them back. To please him, Jess allowed him to add them to the growing pile. Here's a big iron kettle, observed Violet, but we won't really cook with a fire, will we, Jess? We'll take it back, though, replied Jess with a knowing look we can pile lots of dishes in it. They could and did, but not until after Benny had discovered his beloved pink cup. It was a tea party cup 
of bright rose color with a wreath of gorgeous roses on it, and a little shepherdess giving her lamb a drink from a pale blue brook. It had a perfectly good handle, gold into the bargain. Its only flaw was a dangerous crack through the lamb's nose and front feet. Jess made a cushion for it out of grass and laid it on top of the kettle full of treasures. All the things, even the wheels, were laid on a wide board which the two girls carried between them. Can you imagine the dishwashing when the happy party returned to the freight car? Children do not usually care for dishwashing, but never did a little boy hand dishes to his sister so carefully as Benny did. On their hands and knees beside the clear, cool little wash tub, the three children soaked and rinsed and dried their precious store of dishes. Jess scoured the rust from the spoons with sand. There, she said, drying the last polished spoon. The children sat back and looked admiringly at their own handiwork. But they did not look long. There was still much to be done. Jess, exclaimed Violet, I'll tell you. Violet seldom spoke so excitedly. Even Benny turned around and looked at her. Come and see what I noticed inside the car last night. Both children followed her and peered in at the door. See on the wall right over the other door, Jess? Now, all Jess could see were two thick chunks of wood nailed securely to the closed door opposite the open one. But she whirled around and around as fast as she could, clapping her hands. When she could get her breath, however, she skipped over to the board they had carried, dusted it nicely, and laid it carefully across the two wooden projections. It was a perfect shelf. There, said Jess. The children could hardly wait to arrange the shining new dishes on the shelf. Violet quietly gathered some feathery white flowers, a daisy or two, and some maidenhair ferns, which she arranged in a glass vase filled with water from the well. This she put in the middle with the broken edge hidden. There, said Jess. You said there three times, Jessie, remarked Benny contentedly. So I did, replied Jess, laughing, but I'm going to say it again. She pointed and said, there. Henry was coming up the path. And this is the end of this chapter. Sleep tight.
Thank you.